Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Sports 56 Mornings, the Wednesday, February 14th, 2024 edition of the program. Normally the halfway point of the month of February, but it's a leap year, right? We got 29 days. Greg Gaston, Zach Boyd producing. Eli is uh, off in heaven. He's doing some Ole Miss baseball this weekend in Hawaii. Yes, they traveled to Hawaii last night into the wee hours, and he'll have the call on the games this weekend. And for David Kellum, good on Eli, who will return to the program on Tuesday. Coming up a little bit later on in the hour, for all you soccer fans out there, our soccer insider Lawrence Dockery, Memphis 901 FC, just around the corner for the start of their new season. We're going to talk Grizzlies in just a moment with DeMichael Cole, as we do each and every week. The Grizzlies, in the midst of three games and four days before the All-Star break, they've lost nine straight overall. They got the... Houston Rockets tonight, and then the Bucks tomorrow night. The Rockets have won all three previous meetings this season. They are looking for a four-game sweep. That would be their first sweep of the Grizzlies since the 09-10 season. The Grizzlies, by the way, swept the season series last year against the Rockets. Currently, if you're getting ready to start your Wednesday morning, 40 degrees right now. But it's going to get up to 63. Sunshine, beautiful day today. I would imagine there's going to be a lot of folks out there on the links playing some golf. Tonight, mostly clear skies, 44 degrees. And then tomorrow, even better. Maybe a few clouds tomorrow, but only a 5% chance of rain. 66 degrees for your Thursday. It's time now to talk. Grizzlies with DeMichael Cole. Two watches, that's 12. Come through and slam on you. I'm in the L. It's time to talk some Grizzlies basketball. Joining Greg and Eli is DeMichael Cole, Grizzlies beat writer for the commercial appeal. Here's DeMichael with Greg and Eli. He is DeMichael Cole from the commercial appeal. They're terrific Grizzlies beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at DeMichael C. I hope you don't have to go to the All-Star game, unless you want to, to cover the Rising Stars game now that Vince Williams is in. I'm hoping you get some time to relax a little bit. How are you? What's going on, guys? And you know what? I was I was kind of thinking about it for a second, Greg. And, and the thing that stood out to me is, like a guy like Vince Williams, of course it's the Rising Stars game, so it's, it's the young players. But he has a Wednesday and Thursday back-to-back. Then he's going to fly to Indy do media, and then play in, you know, you know, small, not, not going to, you know, be running full speed or anything like that out there too much. But he's going to actually be on a court running up and down. Like, that's basically like the old days in the 90s and stuff, the back-to-back-to-back games. That's, that's going to be kind of tough. Yeah, it is, but I'm sure he's so excited about it. You think about his story, going from yep. a player who was a two-way guy Really, let's be honest, he was not in the plan, certainly not for this upcoming season, with the excitement around this team, with the addition of Marcus Smart, even with Jaws' 25-game suspension to start the season, he would be back, and the sky was the limit. Vince Williams 
Not only was he not an afterthought, he wasn't a thought at all. And then he turns it into getting playing time when all these injuries occurred. I mean, again, it's a good thing for him, not a good thing for the team, but really a good thing for him that guys ahead of him, like LaRavia, got hurt and missed games, like Zaire missed games. He finally gets his opportunity, seizes the moment, gets a multi-year contract, and now he's the lone representative of the Grizzlies on All-Star Weekend. That's crazy. I mean, it, it is true. It's a true story. And and you mentioned, you know, how he wasn't in the plans. And I'll go too far, far as to say throughout the, you know, just the fan base and just the excitement level from that draft class, he was kind of the afterthought. You know, uh, Jake Laravia and David Roddy were the first-round picks. Everyone wanted to see them because mm-hmm. they were the first one. Kennedy Chandler was the hometown guy, right? He was the Memphis five-star recruit, went to Tennessee, comes back, you know, the point guard. Uh, kind of was looked at at a point as like he would be Josh Smith's backup after Tyus Jones, and then even beyond those three, the Grizzlies went and signed this undrafted free agent, Kenneth Lofton Jr., who you know showed out in summer league a little bit, and everybody's now like, okay, when he's going to be on the floor? Mm-hmm. It, so you're talking about, I mean, he was literally the fifth guy, kind of in the in the mix in terms of. Uh, excitement level and who most people wanted to see on the floor. And, you know, what stood out to me about Vince Williams throughout all this is he he really just played his role. He played his part in waiting his waiting out his opportunity. And, and here's why I say this, because one thing that stood out to me, I remember this was early on this season, around December, uh, we were talking to Vince Williams, and this is what he said. He basically said that, Oh, I felt like I could have been doing this last year. Like, that's what he told me. He was like, I could have been doing this last year. And when he said that to me, the way I took it is I should have been on the floor last year. Like I, I could have made the same impact. Like I, I, I could have I should have been on the floor last year. But never said a word. You know, went down to the Memphis Hustle, grinded his way through, uh even early on this season. Wasn't really playing much, and eventually got his opportunity and ran with it. But it's, it's a really good uh, NBA story. I think it's a, well, it's a great story, and and I certainly give the respect to the front office for taking him in the second round. I liked him because I actually had a chance to see him a few times in college. I liked him a lot. I thought that was a great second round pick. He's exceeded my expectations, but I do fault the organization. I'm sorry, I still do that. They didn't give him a chance earlier because, to me, in camp, summer league, you've seen him enough. I can't imagine, like, he was crappy the whole time and then all of a sudden he's good now. Um, I, I I know they go in that pecking order. They, well, this guy was a first round, like we just talked about. He's a first rounder. He's a first We're going to give those guys the benefit of the doubt. I don't like that. I think sometimes you can go to the head of the line. And, and I think Vince Williams finally got that opportunity. It's a good thing he did because who knows if they ever would have found out just how good a player, how impactful a player he could be. All right, we, we move on from Vince. If I asked you to come up with three positives this season for the Grizzlies and we used Vince Williams and Gigi, Jack, Gigi Jackson as two of them, could you even come up with a third one? Uh, I, I could try for you, but I mean, I don't think there's a a concrete. <laughs> no. you know, it's, it's, it's I want to see your reach. I want to see how far you got to reach to Michael for this uh, one. Um, here we go. I'm, I'm I'm about to pull out the extendo arms for this <laughs> one. Go go back his arms. 
Uh, I think the third positive that you could try to find from this season is the flexibility that you've created going into the offseason as a result of the current situation. Uh, Moves were going to have to be made, you know, and I think they've positioned themselves uh, to to build around, you know, John, Des, Jaren, Marcus to a certain degree, uh, plus the, you know, progression of Vince Williams and Gigi Jackson. Like, there is a pathway to seeing this team compete for a championship, not just for uh, the next two seasons, but the next four to five years at least, and potentially, you know, beyond that. So uh, the flexibility is there in terms of, like, at the beginning of this season, you you knew that the Grizzlies would have one roster spot open after the season with Xavier Tillman, but it was hard to see them being able to move off of Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, Zaire Williams, and those type of guys. They end up moving uh, David Roddy and – now you're going to have the option. You know, if, if you don't like what Yuta Wananabe gives you, he, yes, he has the player option, but you can, you know, you could waive him, and it's it's not going to, you know, uh, cost you a lot of money since he signed a minimum contract. Lamar Stevens, uh, you know, is in the final year of his deal as well. So now you have the flexibility also of a potential high first round pick. So if if that's a player that you really want, if there's a player that you really want out there, you go mm-hmm. get him. Mm-hmm. Not you have a tantalizing asset or you can package and at the end of the day i don't see too many teams that are turning down a, a top 10 first round pick for uh, let's say a center in the grizzlies case because center is not you know valued as it used to be there's probably two or three max centers in the nba and everybody else um you know it's, it's getting paid around that 14 20 25 million dollar range at the center spot so basically the fix the flexibility you got a nice first round pick uh, you're going to have a couple roster spots will be open for potential free agent moves and whatnot, and that's the best position you for competing for a championship going forward. How, how does that sound? That's pretty good. You did you did a really, and that's why you're good, DeMichael. DeMichael Cole joining us from the Commercial Appeal. You've written a couple of stories recently, one on Gigi Jackson, one on Derrick Rose. I want to get back to uh, Jackson because he was kept out of the game, their last game, Um and it was a disciplinary reason. Have you found out anything about that? It doesn't seem to be too serious because Taylor Jenkins said that he expects that he'll be playing tonight. Uh, you wrote it. I love this quote. I told him he's going to be one of the best players in the league, so act like it. That quote com- comes from who? Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. Jaron Jackson Jr. So what did you what you what did you get out of that? And do you have more info on that? Yeah. So um, from talking to you know guys around the locker room and and then. Specifically, Sharon, you know, because they're like, uh, everyone knows how talented Gigi is. And there's a cost in this, I would say, with their approach with him because of his age. Because of, you know, like, Gigi's not only just 19 years old, he just turned 19. Like, he got walked into the league at 18. So when he talks about being a professional, I don't think you have to listen to it from the cliche perspective of, Oh, you know, that's what all the guys say, right? You know, you get up, you do your job, you're being a professional. For Gigi, it's really a thing because he's supposed to be a college freshman right now. Like, being a professional, uh, the day-to-day of an NBA player is really an adjustment uh, for him. So, like, when I, when I say the guys are real cautious with their approach, so let me give you one example. And, and when, when it happened, it was kind of a laughing moment, but, you know, 
uh, my dad used to say there's truth in every joke. So uh, it was the first Golden State win when Gigi Jackson played well. You guys will remember Draymond Green was very complimentary of him. Uh, Stephen Curry was very complimentary of him. As they, they talked about the Under Armour invite and all that stuff. And Gigi played well. So there was a point in that game when uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Steph Curry were getting ready to check in. So they were at the scores table. And Gigi makes a nice move, scores a nice basket. And Curry makes a face. Like, he's, he's wild. You know, like, oh, that was good. And then Jaron sees it. And, and after the game, Jaron's in the locker room, and he basically was, like, you know, talking about it. And he was saying, I wanted to tell Gigi during the game, but it was like, nah, nah, I, I can't tell Gigi that during the game. I, I'll have to. I have to tell him that after the game. So um, that's just an example, you know, because like he, he didn't want to tell Gigi during the game because he didn't want it to like, you know, to for Gigi to be like, what? Steph Curry right. said what? Like, right. you know, and you know, that's the age thing. That's a that's the adjustment. Like that that, that kind of goes into it. So I don't think it's anything long term here. Like if you get to know just the person in Gigi, like good attitude, uh, great kid. Um, I haven't heard anything concrete. I've had, you know, a person around the team tell me that they, they believe it's punctuality, mm-hmm. you know, showing up on time uh, for things, being late and whatnot. Uh, I haven't had, you know, multiple people tell me that, but that's what one person told me. Uh, but overall, uh, I think it's it's that's, it's pretty much on in line with just the professional part. Like, that's his adjustment right now. Well, I love the fact that Darren Jackson Jr., you know, goofy, triple J, we know how good a player he is, but, you know, a kid at heart, but he has really matured and to show that leadership role, even though he's not some 32-year-old, 12-year grizzled veteran or anything like that, he's been around long enough now to know to take young guys under his wings because, you know, unfortunately, you're not getting that right now from Ja. Ja may be different as far as down the road for a mentor i think it's more going to be leading by example with what he does on the court but jaron jackson jr with the way he holds himself up the things he says he's a great representative of this organization i I think it really helps to have him reach out uh to to gg like he did and like you wrote about also you wrote about derrick rose a guy who obviously has been to the top uh, mvp of the league has struggled here in recent years with his injuries and they've mounted this year certainly with the Grizzlies he's under a two-year deal so he's here for a while and and we love having him obviously having played at Memphis but you wrote about him in in this in the connection to Bob Marley's music the Bob Marley movie which is I don't know if it's out this week is coming out today today. Mm -hmm. there you go perfect timing great story uh where did that come from and and what did you think about Derrick Rose and that and what he had to say yeah, well, I've seen the signs, you know, for a while and, and followed Derrick Rose really closely. Like, you know, he's a very deep guy. Like, everything that he has, you know, whether it's his, his tattoos, what he listens to, kind of a deeper meaning behind it. Like, yes. it's not shallow. Like, oh, yeah, I just like the way it sounds. Or, oh, I just got this tattoo because I thought it looked, you know, nice or whatever. Like, very deep with him. So, you know, he he um he took a photo with, with Joe Kim Noah's father, of like not too long ago, I think it's like last year, last summer, uh, twenty twenty two maybe, um, and they both had Bob Marley tattoos. And then now with the Grizzlies, you know, pregame warm up, Derrick Rose plays Bob Marley uh, music. And if you know how out of the ordinary that is, like 
the Grizzlies, as we've said over the years, like they're one of the youngest teams in the league. So it's like heavy hip hop, heavy, like just boom, boom, boom. And then Bob Marley's One Love start playing on the speakers. And it, it catches your attention. It's like, mm-hmm. it's different. And, you know, just talking to him over time, you, you, you get to realize like there was a, there was much more meaning. And in this story, kind of, uh, it's probably one of my favorite stories that I've written this year because like he talks about, you know, how a lot of his acquired knowledge is uh, from the messaging of, you know, Bob Marley's music and, and things like that. And, and Bob Marley, like, he, he, he died in 1981, but, like, it seemed like from a popularity perspective, like, he took off even more after death uh, because of, like, how synonymous he became with Jamaican culture, uh, you know, his messaging and how it still correlates to some of the things. Uh, that are going on today mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, uh, Derrick Rose is very passionate about it. I mean, he's very easy to talk to about it. He, he, he loved talking about it. And he was born, I think, in 1988. So he's he's an example. Of like, you know, he, he was born after, um, you know, uh, Bob Marley passed away. But, like, now, like, I mean, his kids listen to the music because of him. Uh, he even threw Joe Kim Noah because Joe Kim Noah and Derrick Rose are very close, and that's another way to tie in that connection, right? Because Joe Kim Noah lives in the same neighborhood uh, that Bob Marley once did, and has is very close with like Marley's brothers and things like that. And uh, through that connection, like Derrick Rose was able to, uh, you know, meet meet the family and and go to the old home of Bob Marley, and even now he owns a ticket. Uh, I mean, a check. He he owns a check from when Bob Marley, uh, when an assassination was attempted on his life in 1976. Uh, Derrick Rose owns the check from that concert uh, when that happened. So, um, I mean, it, it, it just kind of, it was like a deeper look into Derrick Rose. Like, it, m- most people who followed Derrick Rose throughout his career, you, you realize that he's this superstar, but he doesn't really do your typical, like, he doesn't, move like the typical superstar. Like, mm-hmm. you don't see different roles in a hundred different commercials. Uh, you don't see him like, like, he's a family guy now. Like, that's, that's pretty much the only life you really see him in outside of his Adidas stuff and and a couple things here and there. But it's not like, you know, a lot of the other stars in the league. He's always been this very reserved guy. You know, it's like that, remember the, the video from the All-Star game, I think it was like 2011, 2012, and the Eastern All-Star team is coming out, the starters, and LeBron James is dancing, and Dwayne Wade is dancing, and the rest of the team, and Derrick Rose is standing there, just like, <laughs> his head. he's just right. like, he's like oh, this is cool. Like, that's his personality, and I think this story kind of paints that picture perfectly for people that wanted a, a deeper look into kind of why he's built that way. Yeah, it's a cool story. I imagine that uh, maybe even has a friendship with Ziggy Marley and just that that whole connection of, of the uh, the offspring and the, and the Marleys that are still there because his music will live forever. There's no question about it. And I, I am, I got to be honest with you. See, I knew Derek when he was here playing for the Tigers and shy and introverted. I mean, incredibly quiet and and he's still sort of that way, but I never knew he was that deep. And when he spoke at that press conference that you were at and yep. I was at, it blew me away. When he was the one that came out in front of the crowd at FedEx Forum and spoke, I could never, never even imagine that when he was young 
that he would come out of his shell and do something like that. But he is he is deep. You hit it on the head. That is a, a story that you have to read, folks, about um, about Derrick Rose and and the Bob Marley connection uh, that um, DeMichael wrote at the commercial appeal. So check that out. All right, my friend. It's funny. We go through uh, 20 minutes. We don't talk at all about the games, but it is what it is. Rockets tonight. Bucks tomorrow. Nine-game losing streak and then the All-Star break. We'll do it again next week. I appreciate it, my friend. All right, take care, guys. I'll see you later. Thank you, DeMichael. DeMichael Cole from the Commercial Appeal. Folks, you've tried the rest, try the best. When you're talking about hot wings, and Memphis is known for its hot wings, you got to check out the Crazy Coop. If you don't know what I'm talking about by now, you should. The Crazy Coop's been around now enough where you should have been there and done that. 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Whitten. And when I say do that, I mean have enjoyed their wings where you have been back a number of times. But if you haven't, so be it. I'm giving you the opportunity right now to go ahead, heed my advice, and head on over to the, I think, the best wings in town, the Crazy Coop. They're also located at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. That's the Crazy Coop Express. Zip in, get those wings, zip on out. The Bartlett location has the full menu. Enjoy the big screen TVs, all the games, all the action that's on there. Have lunch or dinner over there. You can have... Those wings, those delicious wings delivered to your home or office via all the delivery services. They will cater events, so make sure you ask the folks at the Crazy Coop about catering something that's coming up uh, in your life. They're open 11 a.m. until 9 p.m., seven days a week. What makes them the best? Amazing seasonings. 27 different chicken wing seasonings from the mango habanero, the sweet taste of mango. And everybody loves mango, don't you? And then the sweet maple bourbon. The taste will remind you of chicken and waffles. And then you can go really hot if you want. The crazy sweet lemon pepper hot or the crazy suicide. That's just four of the 27 amazing chicken wing seasonings at the Crazy Coop. And again, that full menu in Bartlett, you can get the catfish sandwiches, the half-pound burgers, all the great sides, including the fried okra, the green tomatoes. It's the Crazy Coop. Check them out today. 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten and the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. When we come back, Lawrence Dockery will join us to talk a little sucker. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Greg Gaston, Zach Boyd. You heard Eli on the uh, spot for Genesis, but he is with the Ole Miss baseball team in lovely Hawaii. But not too shabby today because we're looking at a sunny day and a high of 63 degrees. I'll take that any day of the week in the month of February, for goodness sakes, right? I mean, I'll take that in the spring. I'll take that in the summer. 63 and sunny is just perfect for me. Lawrence Dockery joins us in just a moment as we talk a little soccer. You know, I think October is the best time of the year for sports. Everything comes together. Second best would be this February-March deal because you have everything in the month of February. Maybe the shortest month, but you have everything. 
And soccer is, well, it's year-round when you talk about European soccer and soccer around the world. But here in the States and here in Memphis with Memphis 901 FC, it's ready to crank up. They got some exhibitions coming up. The regular season will be starting very, very soon. And let me tell you something. This guy does an amazing job covering soccer. He's sort of our soccer insider. He's my go-to when it comes to soccer. He's a writer for World Soccer Talk. He's the host of the 901 Soccer Podcast on Bluff City Media. He's Lawrence Dockery. You can follow him on Twitter at LDoc93. He joins us now on Sports 56 Mornings. Lawrence, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Greg. It is, it's good to be back on. How are you? I'm doing good. Great to have you. You just dropped a story uh, that you put a lot of work into about Jay Mims, who's the new chief operating officer of Memphis 901 FC. So where can people see this story? Yeah, you can go. You can check it out on, on Bluff City Media, on the Bluff City Media website, or you can check it out on the Twitter and the Facebook pages. Uh, you know, follow, I'm on Twitter at LBOC93, or the artist formerly known as Twitter, I guess we should say. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at. That's where it's That's where it's posted. So is is Jay now the replacement? Is Tim Howard finally done with Memphis 901 FC, or is he still somebody that they lean on for for information or for uh, advice or anything like that? Or is he are they is he basically out of the mix now completely? Uh, no, I don't believe so. I believe Tim Howard is still the sporting director. This position, this COO position for Jay Mims, I believe is a a new position that they created specifically for him. Wow, um, so, they, so, they still, uh, so Tim's still involved? Yes, I believe he's still, he's still the sporting director. Yes, as far as I know. I haven't heard anything to the contrary. Okay, so the sporting director who makes the moves for the team, especially with personnel, is he now superseded by the COO and Jay Mims? What is Jay's primary responsibilities going to be now that you've interviewed him and have had a chance to write about him? Yeah, his his uh, responsibilities are more going to be on the, I guess you could say, on the business side in terms of marketing and getting the team out in the community and, you know, that, that sort of thing. As far as on-field decision-making, I think that's probably still going to be Tim Howard, Caleb Patterson-Sewell, and Stephen Glass. Right, with Caleb's still there. Okay, so you, you wrote about, and I kind of had a chance uh, during the break to skim over it, and you start talking about last year. Last year on the on the pitch – Great run into the playoffs for a second straight year, but the attendance dropped. You write that it was the lowest ever average attendance for Memphis 901 FC. What do you think the reasons are uh, for the attendance to drop the way it has? And what was Jay's answer? Because I'm sure you asked him about like how do you how do you get that attendance back up? Yeah, so. I know at this point in time, people are probably a little bit tired of hearing about it, but I think uh, the the COVID pandemic hit 901FC harder than probably any organization in town, um, at least from a sports perspective, uh, because they had a lot of momentum going from 2019 into 2020. They had the largest crowd in team history that very first game in 2020, and then the world shut down, and it just never got back to it. Um, and But that aside, it, since we've been back from COVID. It's gotten a little bit worse every year. And, you know, that's one thing I've, you know, I, I had a piece for it on Bluff City Media back at the end of last season is a lot of fans were not happy with the complete total lack of marketing. There was no awareness around town. It's, you know, kind of like if, if a tree falls in 
woods and no one's around to hear it doesn't make a sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of what 9-1 FC's existence has been the last couple years, which is insanely frustrating because they've been one of the best teams in the league. They were the two seed in the East two years ago. They've been to three straight, uh, you know, they've had three straight playoff appearances. Oh, three they straight, had a, okay. Yes, they've had a nice. They had a nice run in the U.S. Open Cup last year, where they upset Atlanta United from MLS. Mm-hmm. And so the the it's it's really kind of testing the old saying of Memphis will always support a winner because not a one FC has been a winner for about three years now. Um, but the good news is, uh, it, it, based on my conversation with him, it seems like Jay Mims is very well aware of what the problem is, and they're uh, now going to start hiring a lot of soccer. soccer People, you know, in in the past, it was you had people pulling double duty for both the Redbirds and 901 SB, which, if you think about it, is going to just put a lot of wear and tear on very few people very quickly. Um, And so um, I think when it it happened, I said this is a great hire, and now that I've had a chance to speak to him, I'm convinced that it's a home run hire. Look, Um, look, go ahead. Oh, yeah, and, uh, and one thing that I found quite interesting is that this hire got a seal of approval, a stamp of approval from someone that you wouldn't even expect, the Nebraska athletic director, Trev Albert, who I believe hired Jay to be the head coach at Nebraska Omaha way back in the day, um, said, uh, said, congrats, one of the smartest, most competitive people I know, not a one of season great yeah, I saw that in your story. I thought that was pretty cool. And I'm like, what's the connection with Trev Alberts? And then I saw Nebraska Omaha, and I had no idea that Trev Alberts would actually also be involved in, in that particular school, which is a branch of the University of Nebraska. But th- that's really neat. Look, I'm not a marketing guy. I don't pretend to be a marketing guy. And I know that Memphis 901 FC has done these things in the past. But there's two areas, in my opinion, that you have to go after. One, there are so many different leagues of young players that are playing soccer, both boys and girls, from ages 6 to 18. They're all over the place. My son played. My daughter played. I think everybody listening out there, their kids have played. Their grandkids have played. So there's all those different leagues, not to mention the high school teams and all that, that you got to get out there as far as that is concerned and get them involved to buy tickets uh, and come to these games to experience something that's uh, you know pretty special. The other one is the Hispanic market in, in Memphis. And I know they've gone after that before. It's growing. They need and and soccer's their number one sport. I can't speak for everybody, but I, I certainly believe that it's way up there. And not that it isn't for a lot of people, but especially in the Hispanic community, go after that and market that. But you're right; I don't remember much marketing last year for Memphis 901 FC, even for the Redbirds as well. If they market it, I'm not guaranteed that the attendance will go up, but I think it would. It just makes sense. Yeah, to your to the to the first section of that where you talk about getting out and all the leagues and schools and whatnot, that's something they are very well aware of. As of you know, earlier this week when I talked to the talk to talk to Jay, he uh, you know is is aware of when there's all those youth tournaments at Micros or at the new Snowden Soccer Complex in South Haven, and they've already got uh, you know oh, oh, they're aware of when those tournaments are and which ones coincide with 901 FC home games. So they're, they're aware of that and that's something they're going to try to do. And they've already started uh, getting back out and doing, you know, the school outreach type of thing. That's something that 
Um, some people will be aware of the uh, the Mississippi River Kings years ago mm-hmm. uh, used to be so good at was going out and doing like school assemblies and stuff. And actually, I want to say earlier this month, uh, Stephen Glass and Caleb Patterson were at uh, Lewisburg in Olive Branch right before their boys and girls teams played their high school playoff games. And so like like some of the stuff that we as media members and we as fans have been begging them to do for years, they've heard that and they are now starting to do. All right, so the team itself for the 2024 season, a lot of uh, moves made over the course of the offseason transactions, both bringing in players, players leaving. Right now, and it's so early, um, your quick assessment on what the prospects will be for 2024. Well, you know, in the past, I've, I've been very hard on this team, and uh, and it's always been, you know, when you do bad stuff, I say mean things. When you do good stuff, I say nice things. Funny, and funny how it works that way, huh? <laughs> and uh, I, I'm, I've, I've said it all offseason, and uh, I'm still going to continue to say it. I think this has been the best offseason in 901 FC history. Wow. Um, they have done a very, very good job. Everything from hiring Jay Mims and creating that position for him, uh, the list of benefits for the season ticket holders is extensive and as good as it's ever been. Uh, the, the players that they've brought in, um, the fact that, you know, in years past, uh, they were real bad about waiting until like two weeks before the season started to start bringing in players. And back in November, they announced uh, they were keeping 10 of the players from last season's team. Um, and all throughout the off season, every couple of days, they've got a new signing. They've made some really good signings. Uh, had a, an interesting little, I don't know if it was a hiccup, but they did bring Kyle Murphy back, who was the team's leading goal scorer in 2021. Mm-hmm. I want to say he scored something crazy like, 22, 23 goals that year. Um, and then, I don't know, I don't know if it was necessarily out of nowhere, but he retired after he signed here. And normally, that would have sent me and 901 FC fans kind of into meltdown mode. And not 20 minutes after Kyle Murphy announced his retirement, 901 FC announced that they had uh, signed uh, a guy named Nico Brett, who is the leading like the third leading goal scorer in usl history uh they signed him from the birmingham legion that is an absolutely huge massive signing so they have they've done a very good job of bringing in quality players this year they also brought in you know jay mims most recently was the head coach at union omaha down in usl league one they signed noe Meza, who is one of was one of their best goal scorers the last couple of years so i think this year we're going to see a lot of exciting attacking goal scoring soccer out of 901 fc they have an exhibition tomorrow against nashville and then the season if i'm not mistaken march 9th is the opener in las vegas correct Yes, yeah, so, yeah, they've got, uh, tomorrow is a preseason game at Nashville FC of MLS. That's the second preseason game against an MLS team. They had a 1-1 draw with Atlanta United, though that game was played at the on the Georgia campus in Athens. Um, they got a 1-1 draw on that. They also have a home preseason game against the University of Memphis against uh, Coach Mulroney's team over at the Billy Murphy Track and Soccer Stadium on, the February, on February 24th. And then, yes, they play the Las Vegas Lights uh, in the season opener on March 9th, but that is here. That's at AutoZone Park. They open up the regular season this year with home games on March 9th and March 16th are their first two games this year. Those are both at home against Las Vegas and Indy. I'll give some advice to whoever works the website. You put the visiting team on top, you put the home team on the bottom. 
So you got Nashville, and then they got them on the top, and they got Memphis 901 FC on the bottom. When you look at that, the home team is always on the bottom. That's how you read. Well, I, th- I think I think in soccer, it's always home team is listed first. See, they, they got it. Soccer always has to do things different. Do do do, well, do doing tradition. Soccer's been of sport. around for I don't for care hundred I don't care. Do it. Do it the normal way. The home team is the bottom team. So I got to look at the opposite every time I look at their schedule. Okay, I live. Well, I live also, and I learn. In, in brief defense of nine hundred one FC, I also do believe they have a section on there where you can just click on and see what the home game. Yeah, are. I just popped up the schedule. I saw Nashville, Memphis nine hundred one FC at the bottom. Memphis nine hundred one FC at the top. Las Vegas at the bottom. My natural thing is to read the home team at the bottom. So my mistake. Uh, you corrected me, and of course, as you know. All this, and uh, they do a great job, by the way, with with that website. Real quick, we don't have a lot of time, but is this the final year, or are there two more seasons that they can play games in the same stadium as the baseball? We've had all the controversy about flipping the baseball field, the diamond, into the pitch for soccer, and vice versa. And it's been mandated by the league, by the USL, that they have to have their soccer-only stadium. We know all the stuff that has happened with the proposal from the former mayor um, that did not uh, come to fruition with the state-funded deal on stadiums. So I don't know where we are as far as that's concerned. But is this the final year, or do they have two more years to be able to figure it out? So, yeah, so the the kind of unofficial, official USL mandate is that by the the time the U.S. hosts the 2026 World Cup, uh, unofficially, but maybe kind of officially, the USL said that all the teams need to be in their own soccer-specific stadiums. Uh, So that, in theory, gives 9-1-1 seed this year, next year, and half of the following. Um, So still plenty of time. Still plenty of time to get this thing figured out. Yeah, and, and, and the fact that they actually had a legitimate plan in place, I think, buys and I don't want to see more time than it did other organizations. That's something that I did ask uh, Jay Mims about the other day, is that, you know, where do we go from here as far as the stadium? And uh, really all he was, you know, said on the record about that was just, hey, this is something that Craig's working on. I'm just here to do the, the day-by-day stuff and keep improving what we have here. There you go. Um, my hope is that, it, you know, it very quickly became obvious uh, to me that there was there were going to be issues once the, the the state cut the check to the city, uh, and you looked at the amount and you oh, looked no at the other projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I, I feel confident that if I was able to see that and others were able to see that, I feel like nine hundred one C was able to see that too and start maybe working on and exploring some other options. But as far as like anything concrete, I don't I don't know. I think they're they're keep they're playing it pretty close to the chest. All right, great stuff as always, Lawrence. We really appreciate it. Again, check out Bluff City Media. Check out his uh, latest story with uh, the new COO, Jay Mims. You can read him at World Soccer Talk. You can listen to him on the 901 Soccer Podcast on Bluff City Media. Also, follow him on Twitter at LDoc93. We'll talk to you down the road, Lawrence. As always, great stuff. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Take care. Guy knows his soccer we need to take a break we'll come back wrap it up for this wednesday this valentine's day edition of sports 56 mornings with greg and eli right here on real sports talk sports 56 and 98.5 fm broadcasting from the family leisure studio we are sports 56 and 98.5 fm now back to sports 56 mornings on sports 56 and 98.5 fm 
here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Again, happy Valentine's Day to you. Final few minutes here on Sports 56 Mornings. It's been quite the show. If you missed any of our interviews, you can check out the Sports 56 Mornings podcast or the podcast of any of our shows on the website, sportsmemphis.com. We break it down hourly. We have uh, some particular interviews that are on featured audio. So you can get them on featured audio. You can get them on the podcast. You can listen to the shows. Uh, It is a technological world that is advanced to make it easy for you to listen at your leisure. But uh, thanks to all the great guests uh, that were on the program. Tomorrow, we're back at 7 a.m. Once again, Eli in Hawaii with the Ole Miss Rebels baseball team. It'll be Zach and myself. We'll be joined by Parker Fleming. We'll talk Grizzlies with Parker as the Grizz tonight are in action against the Rockets. Then the Bucks tomorrow night at home before the All-Star break. We'll talk Tigers basketballs. The Tigers will be at North Texas tomorrow. We'll be joined by the Daily Memphians, Parth Upajai. We'll talk some Tigers as well, along with some golf with our friend Colin Cody from News Channel 3. Jay Phillips will join us from Columbia, South Carolina, one of their uh, terrific radio hosts. We'll talk about a number of things. There's a connection to Tigers football with South Carolina, to the Grizzlies with G.G. Jackson, plus the Gamecocks themselves, the way they have played so far this year. They've been one of the pleasant surprises, I think, in college basketball this season. South Carolina tonight in action at Auburn. I'm going to be really interested to see how that one turns out. Auburn lost its last time out. South Carolina has been red hot. Kentucky, of course, got off the schneid last night beating Ole Miss. A&M goes down at Vanderbilt. I, I don't know. I mean, Al- I know that Auburn, Alabama, South Carolina, all are strong. Kentucky, obviously. Who am I missing? Oh, Tennessee. Tennessee is still, I think, the best team in the SEC, but capable of losing on any given night. And speaking of Tennessee, they play at Arkansas. Arkansas, also one of the big stories in college basketball this year. Unfortunately, on the negative side, they did get a win their last time out. Eric Musselman, friend of the show, his team hosting Tennessee tonight. Tennessee an 8.5-point favorite. Auburn, by the way, an 11.5-point favorite over South Carolina this evening. To wrap things up today, Jason Kelly, Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelly, Travis Kelsey, they do a podcast, a very popular podcast, called the New Heights Podcast. So the brothers obviously had a lot to talk about after the Chiefs Super Bowl win for Travis and everything going on with Jason, the possible retirement, although I don't think he's officially announced anything. But Jason, the older brother of Travis, telling Travis that you crossed the line when you did what you did to Andy Reid. I think we can both agree on that, is what he told his brother. Quote, even the yelling in his face, too, is over the top. I think there's better ways to handle this retrospectively. Travis would go on to say that he's a passionate guy and reinforce that he loves playing for Reed, and who can blame him? Well, I said it at the time, I said it on Monday, too, on the show, that he definitely crossed the line. I didn't think it affected their relationship. I don't. Th- I think they do have a great relationship, don't get me wrong. In the heat of the moment, he's blasting his coach because he's not in the game. 
That's being a little selfish. I know it's still, well, I could help the team, but it's being a little selfish. Andy Reid taking it in stride, that's the kind of guy he is. Yeah, Travis crossed the line. His brother Jason is absolutely right. But it all worked out as the Chiefs win their third Super Bowl in the last five years. Big thanks to all our great guests today. Matt Reiser, the Memphis baseball coach, Andy Borman, Tigers assistant basketball coach, Jerry Palm from CBS Sports, to Michael Cole from the Commercial Appeal, and Lawrence Dockery from World Soccer Talk and the 901 Soccer Podcast. Again, we're back bright and early tomorrow starting at 7 a.m. Guess what? Dave Will Ocean's next. It's Will on Friends on Sports 56. For Eli, who's out in Hawaii, for Zach, I'm Greg. Have a great day. Happy Valentine's Day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.